we have a younger generation um, kind of trying to, or we're attempting to bring in this younger generation to fill this void. Yeah. Um, but we were creating a, a real interesting dynamic there, right? Where um, they're they're super technical, um, you know, and they can they can learn it, you know, as far as in, in theory and so on, and they have all of that uh, technical expertise to apply. But they need that real world scenario that 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 of, of honing in those years of knowledge. Um, so pairing those two is that real golden ratio. And then two, in doing that and in mentorships and so on, however that company decides to work it out, you're also not going to have that vacuum of knowledge in 10 years either, right? Hello, innovators. I'm Todd Wyant, and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast. You're invited to join our MEP and construction innovation adventure with a mission to propel this great industry forward. My guest today has extensive experience in the development of technology and its application to construction. With a self-proclaimed OCD for innovation, he is leading the charge in revolutionizing the industry as well as developing all those in it. James Simpson is the mechanical product manager for Evolve MEP. Welcome to the show, James. Thanks, Todd. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, genuinely excited, uh, happy to be here and so on, at least even virtually, right? Yeah, there you go. Awesome. <laughs> Welcome to the virtual office here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you have a really cool story on how you got into the trades at a really young age. I'm wondering yep. if you could share kind of just the, the high level version of it for the audience. Um, yeah, so I guess the, the down and dirty version is when I was 16, I, I kind of took on this internship as a part of this drafting class. And I, I guess I was doing something right because, you know, by... um by the, by the summer of, of that year, um, they offered me to position full time, which, you know, of course I, I took, right. And so I finished that up. Um, you know, I, I started working there completely full time, finished up schooling online. Um, and then I've just kind of stuck with it ever since. So I'm looking at, I think maybe this is like my eighth or ninth year full time. So it's always funny going to like AU and stuff like that because, yeah. you know, everyone's like, well, Hey, is it your first time? And I'm like, well, you know, I've, I've been around, so, yeah. <laughs> so it's always interested. But I mean, that's real high level. Um, you know, I, I've done all kind of stuff, uh, you know, all positions almost within all of those um, within BIM and, and even even field for that matter. So it's yeah. kind of been around. So what was it that kind of captured 16 year old James's imagination about the, the trades of like, yeah, this is a really cool yeah. industry to, to start a career now? Well, I'm really big on. Um, like problem solving. Like I, I just, I love to sink my teeth in something, uh, tackle it as much as possible and, and then figure it out. And the downside with that is, you know, once I do, I, I kind of start to lose interest in it. Right. Cause I, I need my next challenge. I need to, I need to keep innovating and so on. So, yeah. um, that, that's part of it. Right. I think the industry is really primed for, um, that growth and that, that innovation. And, um, and then even at a, at a, at a micro scale, right. With just my, my responsibility at that time, you know, doing BIM for instance, that's nothing but problem solving challenges, innovation. How do we make it fit? You know, uh, how mm -hmm. do we cut cost on it? So um, that, that's kind of what, what got me hooked in it. And then the, the technology aspect is, has really kind of kept me uh, around most, I say. Um, but then also yeah. really in all, all honesty, just the personality traits and interacting with those, that's, um, that's a big part of it as well. I just, I always love seeing the dynamics of the younger and older generation and just the mix of skill sets. So. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I, I love hearing that story and being able to, to share that because the, well, you know, one of the in problems in the industry is this labor shortage and not sure. being able to attract a lot of younger 
uh, yeah. people into the industry. Yeah. So if you had, here's your microphone right now to speak into <laughs> to high schools. What would yeah. you say to young people of why is this the, the trades, the industry yeah. to, to come into right out of school? I think the big drawing uh, or, or the big draw, um, if I can speak for my entire generation, right. <laughs> is, um, no pressure <laughs> is, yeah, is, you know, I think, and, and I've, I've wrote about this a few times and even, even spoke to, um, a couple classes and so on about it. And I think the, 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 there's a lot of misconceptions about the trade and, and what mm-hmm. the trades are. And I think a lot of that, um, has unfortunately even, even fueled a stigmas and, and so on throughout the industry. Um, but, but the reality is the trades that if anybody is in the industry that, that we know today is maybe nothing like we've ever been exposed to uh, from the time we're born. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, I, and I think there's a, there's a lot of under the surface there from just the education system. Um, but, but really I think it comes down to just, just a, a missed stigma. And the reality is, you know, you can be involved in technology. You, you can be a drone pilot, right. You can, <laughs> yeah. you can um, border borderline have, um, you know, graphic design, um, w- within the industry. So there's just so many options, including those technical options and even management positions. Um, it's, it's, but it's a lot more than swinging a hammer anymore. Right. So, right. Yeah. Uh, that, and that now, if you're interested in it, you know, that's definitely still a part of the job. Um, but it's not necessarily the end all, um, you know, role anymore. And, and I think that's, that's what really needs to get across probably to the younger generation. Yeah. For sure. I always say that the, the trades has a marketing problem. And I, yeah. I realize that I'm, you know, slanted <laughs> coming from marketing, but I, it's, it seems like such a big marketing problem that there's this, that perception gap going yeah. on. Sure. Any thoughts on, um, you know, what's kind of the low hanging fruit there to start yeah. changing that perception? For sure. Um, I think, you know, I think MCAA does a really good job of, of with different conventions and then trying mm-hmm. to, you know, pulling the high school students and so on. Um, I, I was actually involved in a, a, a funny, uh, that, that I will not tell anyone to link to, a funny promotion <laughs> video uh, <laughs> um, a few months back. Um, nice. So, so we're going to have to find some Google uh, yeah, pros please there. and do not. So. <laughs> crawl the interwebs, huh? <laughs> well, there's a lot of stuff. I, I, think, I think one of the, the best ways is um, maybe just with like, just more mentorship, um, you know, ha- having, having trade unions and it's something that, you know, here at Evolve, we, we've talked tr- trying to pin- potentially, you know, um, be a proponent of that and maybe mm-hmm. facilitate some of that, but just to, maybe in the different trade unions and even the, the, the non-unions, right. Just having more of the presence in school, uh, in the school systems, especially that high school system, uh, mm-hmm. high school and just getting out there and really showing them, you know, firsthand, Hey, here's something I do on a daily basis. And it's not at all what you're used to seeing. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So, so going to where they're at, I think more than um, maybe expecting them to just find it on their own, I think is definitely probably the first step. Yeah. Interesting. So uh, I want to shift a little bit more to a perception of the trades that I think is highly accurate and that's that they're really hard workers. Oh yeah. Trades. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, How do you think starting your career at, you know, 16 helped shape your work ethic? Oh, that's a big one, right? Um, so uh, I'll, I always like to start off this as I'll tell anyone with a, a funny story I was told. So, um, you know, when I first, my, it might have been my third or fourth day, um, I had a guy kind of take me under his wing, which I'll speak mm-hmm. on in a minute. But, um, and one of the first things he told me was, 
you know, um, and I don't, I don't, I don't have that much experience in the non-union element, so this may not apply. But for the union element specifically, uh, you could probably drop a hammer off a building and hit someone dead in the top of the forehead, right, and still keep your job over showing up two minutes late every day. So <laughs> they're just they're just big on work ethic, big on accountability, big on responsibility. Um, and for me at 16, you know, I was always very gifted in school and it's obviously a blessing, right? But the, really the downside is it oftentimes almost relied on it as a crutch, right? Um, that things just came so easy and getting involved that early, not only did I have to, you know, as with any job, especially full time, juggle all those responsibilities while also trying to have a teenage social life, right? Um, but then and getting involved with MEP industry and just the trade specifically, I was exposed to a lot of the, that morale, you know, that of, you know, just get the job done. And mm-hmm. it really helped shape um, a lot of my work ethic and really helped build that because, you know, in hindsight, looking back, you know, I would say my work ethic is 100% a byproduct of not only getting started early, but getting started in the industry that I got started in. Hello, innovators. With much gratitude, I thank you for your continued support, for listening to the show, and for voting us Construction Junkies' Best Construction Podcast of 2020. It means so much to everyone working on the podcast to win this distinction, especially in our first year as a podcast nominee. I speak for all of us by saying that it is an honor to shine a spotlight on the innovation and change agents throughout construction every week. We have really cool things in store for you all in the coming episodes and months. So stay tuned. And again, thank you. Yep. No, that's interesting. Uh, so did the the 16-year-old uh, you know, kid have, have some kind of chip on? <laughs> shoulder did you, did you walk in with, well they all feeling do, like right? you had so. something to prove exactly yeah, I yeah. me yeah. at 16 i you definitely know? had a chip <laughs> I only imagine being like 16 yeah i got a full-time job i'm yeah you know smart and special here this is awesome yeah. this is oh i mean it's you know i'm not ashamed of it by any means it, it was 100 something i struggled with you know in hindsight right in the time you never recognize it especially as a teenager um, right <laughs> no no teenager admits that they have the chip on their shoulder right no, because um, it's dessert, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but, but yeah, look, looking back, you know, I think what, I, speaking for myself, but then probably I, I would say most in the same situation, what it really was a result of is me being so anxious to prove what I knew um, that I often forgot to, you know, kind of be reminded of what I didn't know and what I, what I still needed to improve on. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, 100%. And, and there's a lot of credit, I would say, um, to a lot of those former foremen former superintendents, um, just, just all of the, the group I really got to really grow up with, right? Um, that, that kind of instilled a lot of that in me and kind of, you know, really made me aware of where I still needed to, to grow in, um, mm-hmm. while also honoring that, that contribution I was making, right? And that's, and that's a tricky, um, you know, that's, that's something that's hard to manage. So, um, yeah, but I, I definitely did, for sure. <laughs> I'm, just, yeah. uh, I'm just happy that I, you know, I had the group there that I had, um, through all that time to really kind of help balance it out. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's awesome. It's getting the perspective from for sure. know, another point of view, which takes a lot of humility to be able yeah. to see the world from somebody else's oh, for sure. vantage point. Yep. Uh, you mentioned that you had mentors that, that really came alongside and kind of took you under your yep. wing. Uh, going on the, the humility and, and being able to, you know, see that different perspective. How, how do you feel that the, the mentors 
really helped guide you in that process? I think for me, you know, like I, like I touched on earlier, I think work ethic was one for sure. They definitely held me accountable. Um, they looked at me very much as, um, you know, a, a, a member of the team instead mm-hmm. of just let, letting things slide just because I may have been young, um, which, which at the time, um, you know, at that time, especially being young, you almost feel as unfair. Right. But I definitely value it. It definitely made me who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think on top of that, I would say, you know, the work ethics part of it, but what, what I, I would say some of the real growing moments I had would, I'd be coordinating and I would say, you know, based on, um, you know, the other trades where they're situated, my, my knowledge of, of industry knowledge, you know, my, my, my code knowledge and then my, my super complex algorithm I figured out, right. For optimization yeah. and so on, I'm going to put this, you know, stick a pipe right here. And, you know, a foreman may come by and say, well, that's all great, but I can't get scaffolding there. So it's not going there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and all of a sudden it's like that aha moment of like, Oh, okay. You know? And so I yeah. had a lot of those moments um, that definitely helped shape that as well. So um, work ethics one, but just that real world knowledge of, of just, you know, um, that hands-on experience that you just can't teach necessarily. Right. Right. Um, and so that was really valuable too. Yeah. Yeah. I think pairing the, the theoretical kind of book knowledge, if yeah. you will, with the, the real life field knowledge yeah. and experiences. Yeah. I mean, that's where the magic really happens is when you get the, the good synergy between yeah, those you two. Got, you got to have that golden ratio, right? But I'm really glad you mentioned it because when you talk about the labor shortage, um, it's, it, that kind of almost goes hand in hand. And what I mean by that, right, is we have a younger generation um, kind of trying to, or attempting to bring in this younger generation to fill this void. Yeah. Um, but we were creating a, a real interesting dynamic there, right? Where um, they're, they're super technical, um, you know, and they can, they can learn it, you know, as far as in, in theory and so on. And they have all of that uh, technical expertise to apply, but they need that real world scenario that, that, that uh, of honing in those years of knowledge. Um, mm-hmm. So pairing those two is that real golden ratio. And then two in doing that and in mentorships and so on, however that company decides to work it out, you're also not going to have that vacuum of knowledge in 10 years either. Right. right. Um, so I think those problems really go hand in hand. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. And I think that the companies that are able to figure out how to, um, you know, facilitate those conversations and those partnerships sure. with the, the people that have the experience in the field and the yeah. people that understand technology as just secondhand nature. Yeah. There's a lot of really cool growing that both sides of that can give each other yep. when you have that kind of mentorship across generations and everything yep. and not, not to pigeonhole all, uh, you know, baby boomers or anti-technology or anything. Cause there's, <laughs> there's some that are very awesome. For at, sure. At technology. Yeah. Over generalization, over generalizations always harm the, the conversation. Right. But it, I mean, right. you have to start somewhere. So <laughs> yeah. 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 What I parent it back to your story, what I, I think is, uh, maybe a, a takeaway that you had done well for you is that, uh, when you said that they, they didn't let things slide just because you yeah. were younger, that shows that they gave you respect. For sure. And so if you respect the other person on the team that they, yeah. you know, have a job, they're uh, good. They're capable at their job. They're competent. Yeah. You give them that respect and they're going to be able to perform better. Yeah. And all the whole team's going to start rising because of that. Yeah, I'm, I'm always a big proponent of, for the most part, um, people tend to give what you expect of them, right? Mm-hmm. 
Um, sure. So you, and you don't want to hold someone to unfair standards either. But um, you know, I'm I'm more of the type where I'll, you know the, the old saying where you know you aim for the moon and you land in the stars or yeah. whatever the corny phrase is, right? But right. Uh, <laughs> on the poster in grade school. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's something that really resonates with me. You know, I, I shoot yeah. high, I shoot big, and then we'll see where I land. Um, yeah. And so it's kind of that, that same mentality. And I think, I think for me, um, they, I think they, and they, they even attested to it, you know, they seen things in me and they wanted to make sure it wasn't wasted. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and just making sure that, you know, I was aware of that, right. That I didn't sell myself short even in some situations. So, sure. um, yeah. Uh, so what do you think it takes to be successful in the MEP industry? Ooh, this is one I'd probably say my answer has changed over the years, right? Uh, oh, interesting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, um, I would say it really boils down to, I'd probably say three qualities. Um, I would say, you know, work ethic is one for sure. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you have to be willing to do the job until it's done uh, for the most part under any, well, you know, regardless of excuses. Mm -hmm. uh, and doesn't necessarily mean that that if you have a bad process, you'll never go back and fix that bad process to make it easier, right? It doesn't <laughs> work ethic, you know, can't overshadow innovation all the time. Right. Uh, but it definitely has to be there, I think, to make it an industry. I would say another one is is just accountability. Um, you know, really holding yourself as well as everyone around you that same standard, mm -hmm. um, and and being honest. You know, if you do make mistakes, being accountable enough to admit those mistakes and charge forward. I think that's important because in construction inherently has mistakes i mean you miss pours it happens and sometimes it's your fault and sometimes it's wasn't necessarily your fault but you didn't prepare enough right so mm -hmm. that's a big one and then i think i think maybe finally and, and this i think this applies to both older and younger generation is just checking your ego um you know one thing that i'm always i have been very conscious of is you may be in situations where you may know at times, right, maybe even 70, 80, 90% more than the person you're talking to. Mm -hmm. But they know 10% more about something, right? And sure. so just being aware of that and realizing that's really your responsibility to figure out what they know, what they can contribute in, um, especially when you get into leadership, right? Um, because, you know, you, you don't know everything and you're not meant to. Um, right. So just checking that ego. And I would say those are probably the, probably the three big ones. Uh, so if I can maybe oversimplify it and boil it that all down. The, the word that comes to mind is grit. For sure. Uh, for yeah, the MVPs. For sure. um, wondering if you could kind of unpack that. What do you think it, what does it, grit mean to you? You know, grit is, it's just that no excuses mentality, right? Of um, just knowing there's a job at hand and it has to get done and you have the tools you have, mm -hmm. right? And it doesn't necessarily mean it's easy. It doesn't necessarily mean, um, you, you know, that, that it couldn't even be done better, right? But what you have is what you have, and it has to get done. And mm -hmm. I think that's just, that's just the grit. And, and that applies whether that's in, you know, the, those, those build context where you're, you know, that whole rack has to get in before you can leave that day. Um, or in a, in a BIM context, in a, in a, a model context where, you know, it has to be coordinated before that next coordination meeting. Otherwise, you know, I'm unprepared. Just that grid of realizing that no excuse mentality. Um, and that sometimes that means that you just have to tough through it. I, I think that is 100% paramount for the industry or being in the industry for that matter. Hey, MEP friends, looking for a competitive edge? 
MEP Force is the event for you. It has become the gathering place for industry leaders throughout MEP to come together and learn the new technology trends in prefabrication and more. The best part is that it's all industry-led and driven, meaning real people from the trades will be leading the almost 80 breakout sessions. So you will be getting real-life practical examples and use cases to take back and implement right away. This year, it's all virtual. So if you register now, you will have access to all the breakout sessions even after the official event is over. Go to MEPForce.com to register today and use promo code BTG99 to get your ticket for only $99. That's an almost 80% discount. See you virtually at MEPForce. Do you think that's something that can be taught or is that just something that... Some people are, are born with then good luck if you don't have it. <laughs> you know, I have to, I have to believe it can be taught some, right? Because, <laughs> because I, I'm, I'm a different person, right? From after getting started in the industry to now. So yeah, it has to be able to be taught at least in some context. Uh, now, whether it was there and they just exposed it or, or, or however, right. you know, you can you, hone it in more yeah. or something like that. <laughs> um, but I think, I think it has, I, I do inherently see, you know, I go to soccer games and so on, um, youth league, and, and you can see it start to develop then, right? Yeah. But um, I think it definitely can be taught as well. And I think it's really just, um, like I said, that accountability. I think accountability is really the key there um, to developing grit because when you're accountable and, and you're holding yourself or you're being held to that standard, mm-hmm. um, you really can't fall back on excuse, right? So I think it can be taught, or at least I have to believe it, right? Right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think it can be, but, you know, it, it has to have something there, right, to work with. So Yeah, I think it's interesting that you paired it with accountability. I'd never yeah. kind of made that connection before, yeah. but I, I agree. I think that accountability goes a long way in, in helping maybe people. I think it helps everybody, accountability, yeah. but maybe on the, the people that don't naturally have as much grit, yeah. it can they can kind of put things in place and kind of guardrails. Yeah. I mean, if you say, Hey, you're responsible for this, whether it's a product, whether it's a, you know, a job, if you're responsible for it, your name's on it. When that drawing goes out the door, right. Your name's on that drawing, that blueprint Mm -hmm. drawing, whatever it is. um, Yeah. You have to, you have to buckle down and and, and put your best foot forward because you're representing, you know, the company, but if you're accountable, you represent yourself as well. And no one ever, you know, wants to, fail but no one definitely ever wants to be in a position where they look bad either right so right, sure. accountability is always a, I think a big one for developing grit so James you have a a hidden grit talent that I think plays into your your natural grit uh, wondering if you can share and kind of yeah unpack that yeah so I got um, when I was a teenager I got started in um, you know MMA contact MMA um, I moved into actual cage fighting and so on um, so I did that for years. I, you know, I just got completely overwhelmed from trying to work full time, go to school full time, um, have a teenage social life, <laughs> and then also trying to, you know, train four or five hours a day, maybe the entire weekend all, yeah. you know, and then the diet, you know, that's just, it, it's Brutal. terrible. So, <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I had to, I had to stop, you know, as my career kind of kept you know, progressing, but I definitely enjoyed it at the time. And, 100%. It definitely teaches you grit, right? Um, as well as accountability. You know, when yeah. you're in the ring, it's, it's, you know, it's 100% up to, you know, how hard you trained, uh, how much you prepared. So, um, you know, when you talk about grit and accountability, I mean, that's pretty much the ultimate test, right? It's, 
it's one-on-one. So <laughs> yeah. you have no one to blame. Right. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's, it was definitely a, a, a grit teaching experience. Yeah, for sure. So I, I, I can relate somewhat. I, I, uh, in college, I, I was a collegiate swimmer. So we would work out in the pool or in the weight room for like 30, 40 hours a week on top yep. of going to school. Yep. What do you think the, the time management aspect of that, of putting so much effort and so much attention into training while still having a, a full-time career? Yeah. yeah. Uh, how that time management teach you grit and, and give you something in the, your career? I'm telling you, um, taught me a lot. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's, it's really applicable. Like you said, I mean, time management is one of those that it doesn't matter, you know, what context is in, I mean, it's, it's universal. Right. Um, yeah. and so, yeah, when you're trying to juggle, you know, those training hours, um, as well as, you know, everything else, right. Just in life, um, it definitely teaches you to, to, you know, schedule, <laughs> the important things. <laughs> yeah. Prioritize. <laughs> and it, yeah. And, and also teaches you, you know, what's really worth spending time on. Right. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, I, I have a tendency at sometimes to, to try and be, um, you know, make everything perfect. Um, and, and I think that really, that really took that out of me. <laughs> it really taught <laughs> me, you know, what's worth investing time into and, and, and what's considered good enough. Right. Yeah. Um, especially maybe for that time being. Um, so yeah, definitely time management. Uh, was a skill I learned there. Nice. Do you still get into the cage and duke it out? I try. Um, I'll, I'll stop in on a um, training every now and then. I'll crash somebody's training. You know, one of my old training buddies or a gym or so on. Yeah. Uh, but it's hard. You know, as as you as you kind of stay out of it for a while. You know, you um, when you're training all the time, you, your bones stiffen up. You get micro fractures and so on, and they get harder, so you don't feel as much. Yeah. And then when, you, <laughs> when you hop in after a couple of years and you go shin to shin with somebody, it's a definitely a different feel. So. <laughs> <laughs> and the pain starts grouping in more. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Nice. Well, thanks for unpacking that. Yeah, definitely. I like that. Yeah. Uh, how do you think the industry can use the, the grit that so many people have to use that as a springboard for mm-hmm. greater innovation? Um, you know, I often struggle with this. I think, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of good things that come from grit. Um, obviously, I think that goes without saying. Mm-hmm. But I think there's grit can hide problems too, right? Um, mm-hmm. You can you can tough through bad processes, and, and you may still make money on the job, or or the job may still get done, but you may have lost productivity, you may have lost mm-hmm. money, or, or you may have not as made as much, right? So grit can definitely hide um, bad processes and and, and kind of mask the need for innovation. Um, but it also can, can kind of propel innovation as well in a catch 22, right. Of, you know, well, I'm accountable for this job. I, I have the grit to get it done. What, how can I make this happen under impossible odds, right? That grit, um, to, to be a proponent of that innovation to propel it. So it's a real catch 22, you know? Um, but I definitely think it can in both ways, um, you know, foster innovation. Yeah, that's interesting. So is it fair to say that you have to pair grit with being proactive? For sure. And looking for, you know, where are those inefficiencies? How can I make this process better? Yeah, you know, the the, um, industry is notorious for working overtime. There's a lot of reasons there, right? And a lot of it's a labor shortage and a lot of it's compressed schedules and and so on. There's a lot of reasons under the surface, but 
Mm-hmm. Um, I would say at any time I've, you know, whether it's my, you know, my foreman, uh, my crew, uh, if I'm modeling, whatever situation I'm in, anytime overtime starts to become the standard, mm-hmm. you, you, you may be in a situation where there's reasons for it, but you always need to at least take a step back and make sure there's not an underlying process there, right? A broken communication um, or something that that's kind of really, really, you know, that the, the overtime isn't just a symptom, right? Of, mm-hmm. an, of, a, of a bigger problem. Yeah, no, I think that's an interesting, a good point to always kind of be willing to take that step back and assess the, what's going on there. For sure. Uh, so switching conversations here and, and diving into to contact, okay. how should people decide on the right contact? There are so many options. And, and, and yeah, more it's overwhelming. Really. <laughs> yeah. So how do people uh, go about deciding? You know, I wrote about this recently. That's actually funny. Um, there's a couple. There's a couple of things. I would say number one, you have to constantly be searching for what's out there and what's available, and that's really just going to allow you to, you know, the, those ideas to kind of spawn, right? Of, of, mm-hmm. of sometimes you you may find something. It's not what you're looking for, but it reminds you of what you actually do need, right? So just constantly looking, going to trade shows, uh, which obviously those are on hold, but, you know, going to the virtual events then, you know, like the MEP yeah. masterminds or, or, or the AUs, right? W- whatever it is um, to constantly be evaluating. And yeah, I'd say too, you know, don't, don't only just be looking, you know, have an idea of what you are looking for. Um, you know, if you, if you realize you have that broken process or, or you have that need that technology can, can, can kind of help. Mm-hmm. you know, write down what it is exactly you're looking for, you know, keep a log of that and then use that as a measuring stick to evaluate those solutions. Right. And, and two, it's going to allow you to refer back to that for whenever you're second guessing yourself, whenever that new competitor comes, you know, that, that competitor technology and you're like, well, should I choose that one? You're able to go back to that and kind of have confidence in your decision. And I would say three, and this is actually really funny. Um, and, and I hope I pronounce it right. I always feel like I say it wrong, but it's called the Pareto principle. And what's really interesting is um, I was made aware of it probably about seven or eight years ago. Um, I was in a, a statistics class and we were talking about it. But what's really interesting is you see it everywhere. It's called the 80-20 principle. And, and the, the idea behind it is that, you know, um, uh, 80% of your problems essentially come from 20%, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's kind of true as well with, with Contech in that, you know, and I, I was a part of this as well when you're you know, developing those custom solutions or you're, you know, looking for a certain software, just being mindful of, you know, well, what's my, what's my cutoff, right? What is good enough? What is considered a, a viable product I should invest in? Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, it may not feel 100% of the need, but it may feel 80. And if it feels 80, then statistically, it's, it's worth that investment, right? So, um, and you, you just leverage it, maybe an in-house team or, or maybe even some outside development to fill the other 20 if it's valuable enough. But just being mindful of that because as interesting as it is, it, it comes up a lot. So, but I would say those are my three ways I'd probably try and keep track of because it, it is. It's an overwhelming field for sure. The Bridging the Gap podcast is brought to you by Applied Software. With solutions for the modern project, Applied Software is on a mission to transform industries by empowering clients and championing innovation with real-world expert consultants. Their comprehensive array of solutions for AEC, MEP, and manufacturing has a singular focus, helping you achieve higher performance. With software, training, support, consulting, and custom development, Applied Software has you covered. 
visit ASTI.com and let them know we sent you. What do you see as the kind of the, the value of pulling in some other champions for new contact? And so definitely it, not just you trying to be the, the one yep. pushing it in the company. So I had an interesting conversation um, with Sean McGuire, who's a part of MCAA. And we were having this conversation. And so, so I can't completely take the idea for myself. It was more of a collaborative effort. But the idea is to form a panel um, of the, the most, we'll say, contact proponents of, of each segment of your, your company, right? So your mm-hmm. field, your estimators, whatever it is, and have that panel and kind of meet quarterly even. It doesn't have to be all the time, right? But just to talk about those processes, talk about potential technology that's out there to fill it to really make it a collaborative effort because mm-hmm. you could have technology that not only benefits you, but maybe another, another segment of your company. Right. And, you know, just having that collaborative effort. So yeah, definitely as many champions, the better. Um, and even more so when it's unified, right. That like in a panel and so on. So it's definitely important. Yeah. I think that's a great point to be able to not only see what's going to be a benefit to your section of the company, your department, but yep. yeah, like, being able to, to step back, have those conversations and be like, all right, this might, you know, you might only use 10% of it, but yep. it's going to help you some. For sure. Uh, and so I think that's a great idea. Nice. Uh, what do you see as the biggest opportunity for the MEP industry moving forward? I really think um, the future of the trades is really relying on prefabrication, mm-hmm. um, which I'm biased to. I, I was, I was, uh, before I joined Evolve, I was a big prefab guy. Yeah. So I'm very biased to prefabrication, but I really think that that's where the industry has to move to in order to meet the demands um, of, of the compressed schedules, as well as the consistency, as well as the safety, as well as when issues like this happen, um, you know, with, with the COVID outbreak and so on. I think it's, it's really the future of the industry. And I think it's something that, you know, you see the move, right? I think, I think everyone is aware of the benefits of prefab by now and, and most are even, you know, executing on it some more than others for sure. But I think that's really the, the biggest potential for the industry is just honing those prefabrication processes. And then second, once again, I'm biased because I'm a big fan, but I think machine learning um, as much as possible and not necessarily completely artificial intelligence. I think learning based on those real world patterns, um, you know, that machine learning, that collection mm-hmm. of data, that big data, and then, you know, having you know, a machine learn from that, that way it's, you know, still applicable. That's the only way I think contractors are ever going to trust in it is if they know it's from their own work, right? Um, right. Like essentially they've taught their apprentice, right? Sure. <laughs> so uh, yeah. I think those are probably the two, the two biggest uh, potentials for the industry. Interesting. So in the aftermath of COVID, do you think that that has accelerated the move yeah. over to prefab? For sure. Yeah, it's... um you know, it, it was almost kind of a, a, a prefab or, 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 or don't build, right? It was, it was yeah. the only way you could really ensure that, um, you know, those safety standards are being met and, and that everyone was you know, able to show up and be safe and still execute on those, you know, those red hot jobs, those ones that were, you know, the, the temporary hospitals or, or just ones that had to get done. They're really the only way to ensure it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just allows you a lot more control across the board. So not only from a worker safety you know, from machine safety, but, you know, as we've seen with COVID, just a general health and well-being safety at that controlled environment. Um, you just have access to all those resources. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so tell us about 
Evolve Mechanical. You guys are releasing a new release. <laughs> <It's> my favorite topic. <laughs> <laughs> what you got cooking over there? Oh, man. You know, it's cliche, so I hate to even say it, but, uh, you know, every software company says their last release is their biggest release yet, and you have to go get it immediately, right? Um, but <laughs> this is it, the biggest it, and the best. <laughs> it really is. It, it's it's a hundred percent transparency. I think the biggest release uh, we've put out, and it's really a testament. Um, just our development team. I mean, they're really second to none, and we talk about grit. I mean, those guys were were working some serious hours to get this accomplished. Uh, as yeah. well as you know, our, our management team. You know, um, in, including our our segment managers and so on, and then marketing as well. I mean, it's a group effort, right? But um, you know, it's really been the biggest release. We got all kind of cool, uh, features, especially some, some time savers and just some, some general, uh, productivities, um, whether it's like automatic sleep placement, um, element filter, which is, uh, honestly like my, my favorite feature to ever exist. Um, just a lot to really streamline those workflows, including in, in non evolved context, right? We got some tools that work with out of the box Revit. So, there's a lot there, but yeah, it, it's 100% a testament to the group. I mean, it's a, it's been a real collaborative effort to get this big release out. That's awesome. One of the things that I really admire about the Evolve team is your commitment to having conversations with customers and getting their feedback sure. and insights into that. Yeah. Um, can you uh, unpack how you guys go about that and like those, yeah. why those conversations are valuable? So, you know, when you, when you talk about a group effort, you know, something I didn't mention there, but is 100% viable is, is the customer base. Um, they're, they're just as much as part of development as we are, right? Um, it, you know, we 100%, um, you know, let the customers kind of drive the product and, and intently really focused on what their needs are, um, what their pain points are and how we can fill them. Because at the end of mm -hmm. the day, um, our software is, is designed for them, right? So you got to have that input and you, and you really have to, you know, rely on them for some of that information. So, you know, one of the ways we do that is, is with our idea site. So, you know, customers can hop on there at any time, post ideas, talk to each other, vote on it. And then, you know, we have monthly customer update meetings where we say, you know, here's what we're working on. Here's what we're thinking about. How do you guys feel? Hey, I saw you posted this in the idea site, you know, we get some more information on that. Um, and then I, I try and check up on, you know, different customers as well, you know, when time permits. Right. But, mm -hmm. Uh, just giving them a call, making sure I'm not missing anything, making sure that, you know, they don't have any, you know, ideas I need to be aware of some, 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 you know, things that can benefit the entire product, right? Because it can benefit that customer, but it can also benefit all customers too. So um, yeah, it's, it's 100% something we try and focus on. That's great. Uh, going full circle here in this conversation, I, what I like about it is that you guys are paying respect to their perspective. Uh, yeah, just definitely. like your, your mentors paid respect to you when you started <laughs> out. Uh, I think that's awesome to show that respect and, and be willing to have those conversations. Yep. For sure. Uh, so how do people get a hold of you and, and find out more information on evolve and the new mechanical release? Yeah. So, uh, if you're already evolved customer, it's, it's up on the download site. Um, just, just give it a download. Um, if you're not, you're more than welcome uh, to just reach out on the website uh, for a demo. We'll definitely, you know, give you a quick look at just, you know, what 4.0 entails and what the software has in general. Um, and, you know, you're always more than welcome um, to, to reach out to me personally or, or our segment manager, uh, Brett Stacks, uh, to gain any kind of more information. We'll definitely um, get you in touch there. Um, so, yeah, th those, are, those are probably the, the easiest ways. Awesome. 
Well, thanks so much for taking the time, James. Really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, anytime. And thanks to all those listening. If you are interested in learning any more, you can visit our sponsors, Applied Software at ASDI.com or Evolve MEP at EvolveMEP.com. You can listen to this podcast anytime by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our website, BridgingTheGapPod.com. Until next time, I'm Todd Wyant, thanking you for joining us on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Keep innovating. Thanks for listening to the Bridging the Gap podcast. Enjoyed the episode? Leave us a rating or review while sharing with your friends and coworkers. I'd love to hear from you. Send me a LinkedIn request or follow our LinkedIn page and let me know if there's a topic you'd like to hear. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. Bridging the Gap is directed by Todd Wyan, produced by Alyssa Chartier, edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an applied software production. Copyright Applied Software 2020.